Hello and welcome to the Let's Talk Startups podcast and uh, the next instalment of our special edition episodes um, where we're going to be taking a hot topic, something that all of you are talking about right now, and find out all the latest insights from an expert in our network. So today we're talking about success and how to prep yourself for it how you even attempt to build a startup that's geared for the big time. Um, and we're delighted, as you can see, to be joined by Debbie Lewis from NetWest. Hello. <laughs> uh, to talk about this in a lot more detail. So Debbie, it's a pleasure to have you on the call with us today. How are you today? Likewise. Thank you so much for the opportunity to come and, and talk to you. Uh, really love what you're doing and excited <sighs> to share some nuggets today. Oh, we love nuggets. <laughs> we live for nuggets okay. and the founders live for nuggets as well. So yeah, fabulous. Um, Debbie, let's kick things off um, with a bit of an introduction, if that's all right. Um, who are you? What do you do? Who are you working with? What's what's on your radar at the moment? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my name's Debbie Lewis. I work for NatWest in the enterprise team covering the East Midlands and East of England. Uh, I'm a regional ecosystem manager, which tells you very little about what I actually do as a job. But ultimately, I work with some other fantastic SME-focused individuals across my patch um, to support small business owners. So whether that is ideas stage or right up to scale up and exit, whatever the sector, whatever the stage, wherever they bank. So that's something a bit of a, a myth bust I'd like to, to communicate is we, there's something out there to help you locally face-to-face as well as digitally online. Perfect stuff. So Debbie, I want to dive in really, I guess, we'll open this conversation with um, mindset. Mindset as an entrepreneur um, and how really, how important it is um, to have the right mindset, um, especially given the times that we're in as well. Maybe you could share a bit about how, you know, why it's so important um, and then possibly talk about the things that maybe we can, you know, will help entrepreneurs with their mindset. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I really want to start by positioning that each of the little bullet points that we're going to cover today, ordinarily, we deliver a session that's between 40 minutes and two hours long. So I could literally talk to you for hours about mindset. Um, But I'm going to take a few of the highlights to add some value. Um, But I would love to I'd love to go, you know, deeper and more into some of these conversations. You probably heard the phrase, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're probably right. Um, and, and mindset for me is just that. The, the conversations that we have with ourselves are some of the most powerful blockers um, that, that entrepreneurs face when it comes to setting up or scaling up a business is the seeds of doubt, the imposter syndrome, the fear of naysayers, um, but also the fear of success as well. Some people are genuinely terrified of, well, what if I hit the big time with this? How's that going to impact my life, my operating rhythm, my mental health, my family? Um, and so I think mindset is about bringing the best of yourself, but also setting boundaries of um, you know, maybe maybe it's one step at a time. Um, maybe you just need to be comfortable with a six-month plan rather than a five- or a ten-year plan. And I think post-pandemic, we were definitely noticing that mindset, good, strong growth mindset, and we do a lot of work around neuroplasticity and Carol Dweck's mindset study, is, is actually – um, sometimes when you're when you're struggling without resilience or, or, or good grounding, just focusing on that first step of the staircase or just focusing on the next three months can be all you need to develop some good uh, habits and positive reinforcement that gives you the bravery to go again. So chunking it down, setting boundaries, being really addicted to what you want to get to. So motivational, that big why question. And on that why question then, why do you think that founders suffer with these types of things of imposter syndromes? Where do you think it comes from as well? Well, I think we're all human beings for a start. And I think even the most confident of us, I have no problem standing and and talking to an audience of two, 3,000 people to deliver education. However, that's when I know the content 
and I know where I've got to stand and I know I've got a team who are going to support me. And I, and I think entrepreneurs don't have those support mechanisms it, typically, uh, particularly smaller startups. They're doing everything themselves. So a, a lot of, a lot of that resilience, a lot of that positive mindset would normally come externally from people saying, good job, or you've got this, or here's the slides, here's the content, here's the strategy, here's the process. You don't have any of those safety nets unless you create a good community and network, which obviously, you know, you're huge advocates of. So I guess it's surrounding yourself with incredible people, having preparation um, and, and also um, working to play to your strengths. So even if you've got some really challenging bits, I know for a lot of startups, that's finance. Outsource it. Get somebody in your corner who's awesome at that stuff. Uh, easier said than done when, you know, when you're starting out because it's financial concerns. But there is an awful lot of free, entirely free support available out there. Just need to network to find it, to kind of plug your gaps, really. But I think the more you do it and the more you see success and you're kind of referring to the goals that you've set and you see you're smashing those goals, confidence will build. And what happens if you're not smashing those goals? How do you still get that confidence to still build? Yeah, great question. We, we do a lot of, um, when we talk about goal setting and visioning in, in one of our um, series, we talk about setting your, your goal for the future, your vision of your end goal. And we talk about that being your destination. So if you imagine your business journey as your sat-nav, and you're plugging in your end destination, whether that's a three-month end or a 10-year end, it doesn't matter. You set your destination and you plan a route and you're always going to be checking for your progress. And there will be times where, you know, to, to use that, that sat-nav analogy, there's going to be a, a fallen tree in the road and there's going to be roadworks and there's going to be traffic jams and you're going to be frustrated. But what are the routes around that? So how do you... Uh, leverage others? How do you um, make small incremental progress? Sometimes as well, I think to your point about, you know, people not making progress is look for the small wins. We are always the most critical of ourselves. And it might be that a startup has set themselves a challenge of getting out there on social media. And in their head, the goal is, well, I, I want to make a million pounds from, from doing my daily Instagram live Okay, maybe the, the goal wasn't right. Maybe the goal needs to be, I'm going to 30 days consistently, put myself out there on social media and connect with followers who are going to give me the feedback that I need to understand what my customers want to create a better sales plan. So I think often the goals are too big, too hairy. You're always told by social media influencers, big, hairy, audacious goals. If it doesn't scare you, it's not big enough. Sometimes you just need something to get you through tomorrow. Um, a little bit of progress is progress. Um, and, and also accountability. A lot of us have an enormous to-do list. So what, did, what do you need to do tomorrow? What are, the, what are the three things this week that will help you move towards the bigger goal? Because actually, if you can tick off, I mean, I don't know about you, if, if I do something and it's not on my to-do list, I add it just for the dopamine hit of being able to tick it off. Sometimes, yeah. So I think it's about being kind to yourself, but I think a lot of us just expect too much too soon. And a lot of overnight successes have actually taken 10 years to get there. Uh, you just haven't seen that. You've only seen the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. And I mean, I guess that's the double-edged sword with social media, isn't it? And let's face it, you know, we've all seen so many posts and read so many things that seem like they're an overnight success. But actually, if you go and look when those companies were founded, you'd be quite surprised to see they've been actually, you know, working at it for some time. My goodness. Um, it's definitely not an overnight success. No, Definitely and in not. America, there's this whole belief that you have to have failed through business to be successful. Um, and, and they almost celebrate and champion 
uh, failure, bankruptcy, hard school of hard knocks. And I don't know what it is about. And it's it's Europe as well as Britain that, that I hear that this is, is true is people don't like to talk about their failures and the businesses that went wrong. But often these are the rocks on which successful business owners build their version 18 of their idea. Uh, and actually, that's the only one you see publicly. But there's often a lot of failure that's gone on in the background. I think we should have more conversations about failure and authenticity about our journeys. You learn far more from failure than success. Wow. And I mean, I can definitely talk from experience there. And I've often likened my own failures to, you know, at the end of the day, I've always said, if I hadn't failed, I'm so glad I failed when I did, um, because I certainly wouldn't have picked up the lessons that I did when I failed. And actually, I don't think it would be right just to go from, you know, straight to success without failure. I, I just don't think that that's almost like a, a miracle, really. And in business, I you know, I'm not so sure that's such a great thing. Yeah. And, and actually having met hundreds of successful entrepreneurs that we, we um, interview them, uh, just as you interview startups, we interview people who've kind of inspirational, been there, done it, got the scars and the T-shirt. And actually what a lot of entrepreneurs say is if they had too easy a ride in the first business and they got lucky success, they then lose everything later because they didn't learn any lessons. Uh, not always, but in many cases. So it's a really interesting we teach about the windy uh, road of entrepreneurship because um, if you're not failing, you're not learning. Absolutely. Well, we could do probably another edition just on failure alone, probably, which is crazy, <laughs> really, when we, 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 <laughs> we're talking so passionately about failure and yet we're trying to support everybody to get success. Um, <laughs> Just before we move on then, Debbie, I mean, from a personality, I guess, personality traits of these entrepreneurs as well, do you think there's anything that like with all the people that you speak to that certain traits that sort of help them along this journey as well? Mm, yeah, and I think, don't get me wrong, I think any anybody can be successful, but it's what we see in terms of the most successful entrepreneurs who build the most resilient businesses or raise the most money or have the most growth, there's some commonalities. So a lot of the entrepreneurs that we support through our accelerator program, so these are the real scale ups. They've, they've grown very quickly. This is no longer about gradual growth. This is about high trajectory scaling. A lot of their commonalities will be around tenacity. They, they don't let knocks hold them back. They recover quickly. They've got good resilience. Um, they ask a lot of questions. So it's not about assumptions. They don't do things just because they can. They test and measure. They build, measure and learn in many cases, that kind of very agile working of let me sense check how this is landing to my customers, not just I've had this idea, let's do it. So I think that being curious. Um, also, I think it's about being greedy and hungry, if I'm honest. I see a lot of entrepreneurs who, who never really get to what, what other people feel they could achieve because they're quite happy just coasting along. And I think one of the biggest um, stiflers to entrepreneurial successes is apathy. I think we just get quite comfortable plodding along and actually this lifestyle business gives me a bit of, you know, insert amount here, pocket money or the amount I need for my bills or the team I'm comfortable with. And actually it's only if we get really greedy and hungry and say, I want more, suddenly that glass ceiling that we've, we've set for ourselves lifts up. Uh, and we go a, a, a bit further, a bit harder, a bit longer, and, and it, you know we, we can achieve so much more. So we definitely see that in the scaling entrepreneurs. Interesting. It is interesting, and you're you're right. Um, you know, the more people you sort of speak to, certainly, I mean, we do the same sort of. You, you tend to see certain traits that just people share, don't you? And and you sort of see, yeah, you know, the, the telltale signs of of an entrepreneur that is, as you say hungry and you know got that passion and they've got that sort of you know yeah gumption 
to, to go forward, right? Yeah, and ambitious. They just want more Absolutely. tomorrow than they've got today. And, and sometimes that can be dangerous, um, but but in good measures and well thought out, absolutely. And I, and I also think, you know, everything comes back to mindset. We started off with it at the top of today, but I, I've, I can't think of a time where I've seen somebody with a fixed or weak or, or poor mindset go far. People who really kind of say, well, I can't, but how do I do that? Or I can't do that yet. We talk about the power of the word yet. Well, you might not have those followers yet, or you might not have built that platform yet, but it shouldn't stop you from doing something. Hmm. Absolutely. It's what drives things forward, isn't it? Um, And that's sort of where I wanted to take the conversation to that next stage then, the sort of the the planning. Uh, We've talked about, you know, the mindset and what type of person sort of gets to that point. But um, talk us through sort of the the nuts and bolts of putting this together. You know, you're you're an entrepreneur. You've got sort of a a rough idea that you've scribbled down on a napkin at the pub, or you know, you've you've got a blurred sort of idea of what you want to do and how you want to change the world. What is it that founders need to think about to get those rough thoughts? down into something a bit more tangible um what does that planning process do you think look look like for um for success so i think planning is different for different types of businesses and different types of people but planning is the key word it's that preparation um if you don't put the destination in your sat nav you might still get there, but it's going to take you a whole lot longer and you're going to take a whole lot of scenic, you know, by roads that is not the most efficient route to get you to your ideal destination. But it might be a nice drive. You might enjoy it. And entrepreneurship is <laughs> a bit like that, you know. <laughs> you, um, you might just really... You might just really enjoy running your business. And as opportunities arise, you might get lucky. But the harder you try, the luckier we find people become is if you've got. And and I think if you are, if you're engaging other people, if other people are fundamental to your growth journey, it becomes even more important. So whether that's people that you're outsourcing work to or strategic alliances, joint ventures, maybe you're doing a bit of trade for, um, maybe your business can work with another business. And and so there's no cash exchanging hands, but you're you're trading your, your skills. You need to plan because somebody's time, even if you're not paying for it, has a value. And so the more aligned, the more preparation, the easier that becomes, the quicker the wins will follow. And and then when you get a team and you've got other people, you're then responsible for their motivation and their feeling of success and achievement. And also the resilience and sustainability of, of making sure you can pay them every month is that planning and strategy and tracking financial more than anything is so important. And, and funnily enough, if you've got a, a business owner who's buying a building, they will do so much preparation. It's, it's a bit like planning a wedding. Opening day, they will have every minute of that opening day planned to the nth degree. But then rarely do we see people go on and do that same planning for the next six months, the next year, the next five years, the next 10. And, and it's very, we use the phrase winging it or, um, you know, I'm, I'm just rolling with the punches. And as entrepreneurs, that's been quite trendy. You know, people love this whole, you know, I just fell into this opportunity. But actually, the best businesses have some plan. And okay, they'll take opportunities as they come. But actually, what I hear an awful lot from entrepreneurs is procrastination and distraction. A lot of a lot of entrepreneurs have in common this magpie syndrome of shiny object. Oh, that's exciting. I want to go and do that. But are you actually slowing down the machine that is your business? Could you be profitable quicker if you didn't do that? Yes, it's an opportunity, but is it for now? So I think, again, we could do two hours on just goal setting and setting strategy and, and, and visioning. Um, there's a brilliant um, piece of learning around uh, visioning by Ari Weinsweig. And it talks about closing your eyes, going 10 years in the future and imagining what your life looks like. Um, I, I actually come from an entrepreneurial background. I've been in business for the last 20 years and I didn't set a long-term goal for my business. And I created a beast that could not operate without me. 
And, and so even when you're successful, sometimes that can be a really negative thing because suddenly I was working seven days a week, 12 hours a day, had an enormous team of self, uh, of direct reports and I hadn't worked out a way to remove myself. And suddenly when you're so busy, there's no time to unravel or it can take a lot longer to unravel it. So some people don't get there because they don't plan and some people get there with a, a, a bigger monster or a scarier monster than it needed to be because they didn't put the planning in place. There is so much help out there for people to do marketing strategy, business strategy, planning for the future. What do you want your business to, to kind of adapt into? And I think often we're looking at tools, techniques. It doesn't really matter. If hand on heart, it doesn't matter which one you use. Find something that works for you that you can do consistently. We use a very simple tool, what, how much, by when. What do you want to do? What does it look like? How much? How many days consistently? How much? How many new clients onboarded? How many ambassadors? By when? Put a date. Going back to that conversation we had earlier about positive reinforcement and motivation plays into all of that. But it also stops you. Oh, they've asked me to do this or I could do that. Is it part of the plan? No. Put it on a post-it note for later. Have a list of stuff to look at on the next review. Uh, stop being busy. Start being, uh, you know, be doing the right amount of work for the right results. Put it on a list. That's my favorite, favorite thing to do, Debbie. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. I couldn't function without it. Um, and that's enormously helpful because obviously um, that's the way the mind should be kept organized, keep things in check and, and keep that sort of... Um, keep that mindset about how you are growing and planning. Um, yeah. But even in the earlier stages of that, before you're thinking about, you know, yeah. marketing strategies and, and things and building a team and things like that. Um, talk us through the prep work of just sort of the, I guess, establishing the product market fit. And there's, you know, even validating your idea to start with when, you know, when should entrepreneurs shut down bad ideas? How does that work? Um, that early stage, you know, sort of um, figuring out when to start, uh, you know, when to plug in the destination into your sat nav and when to turn the engine yeah, on. Absolutely. <laughs> so great, great um, question and great point. I, I guess it is different for everybody, every, regardless of sector, stage. <laughs> Businesses are so different. There is no one silver bullet that will tackle everything. However, what a lot of entrepreneur what a lot of entrepreneurs do is they trade on feelings rather than facts. So they will be looking at metrics that not necessarily aligned to sustainability. Um, so, for example, um, you might build an incredible business and be really busy, but if it's not um, financially viable. Uh, and we see this a huge amount. The Rose Review talks about women in business being driven a lot more by profit than uh, by passion more than profit. Put my teeth in. Um, and actually, this this business idea can only keep going if it can pay for itself, if it's viable. So we teach business model canvas. It's a one page document. So rather than creating a massive manual, um, I think a lot of people get scared off about creating a, a business model because they think of it as being this whopping great manual that's going to take six months to create and then you never look at it again. So we, we teach business model canvas, which is a one page document, which seven segments uh, of, of kind of looking at your viability, desirability and feasibility and making sure they're really balanced. And that kind of planning can be done in a two hour session. So you haven't got to spend months. And what you see from a document like that is your holes. Where are the holes in my business? Where are the gaps? That's where the risks sit. And also you've got to look at your personal circumstances. You know, somebody who is living in somebody else's home. It could be parents, could be friends, could be partner, somebody who's being supported financially and has a whopping stash of savings from a corporate job is in a very different situation to a single parent family who has got commitments that no one else can help them with. So that journey would be very different to the, the first one that I mentioned. So I think it's knowing where your, where your hard stops are. 
there is no shame in having to go back and take a job and putting your business as a side hustle or a for later if you need to sustain your your primary lifestyle, you know, living, having a roof over your head, putting food on the table. That doesn't make you a failure. That makes now not quite the right time to go all in on your business. And there will be people who have phenomenal business ideas who just try to launch at the wrong time, the wrong time of the year, the wrong year, the wrong area, the wrong time for them personally. And there'll be other people who've got really average ideas who do incredibly well because they launched at the right time in the right area with the right people. So I'm not going to say it's about luck. It is about planning. But you need to be prepared to pivot, pivot hard uh, and pause. Sometimes we talk about fail fast, fail cheap. We don't want you to lose life state savings, your home, your uh, mental health. We don't want you to lose any any part of your life that is fundamental to existing uh, and being comfortable and secure. And, and sometimes entrepreneurs become so um, committed to the next step that it's just around the corner. Sometimes that can be really destructive. So having some good network to support you and part of coaching in the accelerator is holding up a mirror and saying, this is what I'm seeing. This is what I'm hearing. So if you don't have a coach and you're too early stage to have um, that kind of network is, do you have a friend who can hold you accountable or reach out to another startup locally and say, do you want to buddy up on accountability? Um, sometimes you just got to ask the hard questions. Wow. There's so many, there's so many parts of what you've just said. For, you know, follow on questions here. They're not even going to take me to the next bit that I wanted to talk about. Um, <laughs> Just a couple of things and on the follow-up side of things. You said yourself you built your own business that turned into a beast that relied on you. Looking back, um, what would you change so that it didn't end up like that? So really interestingly, I, like many entrepreneurs, uh, I was driven into business by passion, not planning. Um, I wanted to do something, an opportunity came up and I threw myself into it. Uh, I had had absolutely zero business training. I'd never studied business in any format. Nobody in my family or friendship circle had run a business. I went in blind. So I wish what I'd done was get some of that fundamental knowledge sooner. Um, I still built a successful business and it, it I was, I was, amazed at what I created, scaled and exited. But had I have been better informed all the way through that process, I would have created systems, processes. I would have um, put in tracking and metrics that would show me when I was ready for that next stage. Or I, I could have just alleviated a lot of what ifs by setting a plan in place. And then equally scaling and exiting had I have known then what I know now, I probably wouldn't have sold my business. I probably would still be involved in it in some way, but less. But the trouble is when you become so immersed in a very busy business that's generating a lot of money and propping up a lot of people is you don't often get the headspace to, to consider other ways. Um, so great coaches, great networks, great learning were the three things that I wish I'd had all the way through my journey. And, and the people who I see leveraging those typically last longer, make more, and are happier individuals. Do you think, though, that that passion at the beginning, and you mentioned earlier about passion and profit, um, if you, I guess, if you had all of that knowledge from the beginning, I know it's what if and you shouldn't look at it like that, but do you not think that sometimes we need that passion solely just that passion just to get kick-started and just to get it off and then these things follow afterwards naturally anyway because going back to your point about distraction and procrastination you know sometimes maybe by having these distractions and, and thinking about all getting everything in order making sure that i've got all this plan but they don't actually have put all of that passion and all of that energy into what they're building because they're just too busy thinking about all the planning and everything else. Do you think it can be a bit of a disadvantage sometimes? 
So what I really love is from what you've said is almost this concept that you can't have both, that if you're really passionate and you're really enthusiastic, you can't be structured. And I think for me, that was the piece. Nobody could ever have changed how much, how passionate I was, how interested I was in my industry and the massive things I wanted to achieve. But had somebody have said, what does that look like? And, and how, what are the steps? What are the risks? Um, I could have saved myself an awful lot of lost money, profits by just mitigating some of the risks on the way or being a little bit more considered about the way in which I grew and the directions. I, I Ultimately, I, I grew too quickly without a plan. And so the trouble is when you've got a successful business and you're not tracking your financials properly, you don't see the bits of your business that are underperforming because you're not measuring everything. So some things that, that look successful could be much more successful if that little piece of it wasn't dragging everything down. So I don't think it's the absence of all that good stuff that makes us entrepreneurs, but I think it's just sometimes self-checking, sometimes pausing, reflecting. We don't reflect enough. Um, asking other people, making a lot of assumptions. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Um, it is, you know, just checking with your customers, checking with your team, and then reflecting and planning. Do you think, again, just going back to that business that you built, you would have listened at that time as well? Because you see that sometimes in younger founders. I've been there myself as well. You know, people are trying to tell you, you know, you don't understand because I'm busy building this. You don't quite get it. Um, do you think you would have been a bit of that as well? or? I, what a brilliant question. I, I think I would have listened. And actually, as I started to reach out to get advice, my business, I saw the success um, escalate. And I realized that positive reinforcement of actually, if I do these things, I'm getting better results. But why I'm laughing is um, I, I definitely heard myself say on multiple occasions, yeah, but that wouldn't work for my business because. <laughs> and now I'm on the other side and I coach businesses as well. And whenever somebody said, yeah, but that won't work, I think, really, uh, really. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think it's separating mentoring from coaching. Coaching yeah. in an early stage business is not anybody telling you what to do. It's somebody just checking, somebody getting to know your traits. So if you are often pessimistic and nervous, it's somebody saying, yeah, but what if? What if it goes right? What's the best thing that could happen? And then on the flip side, if you're this renegade uh, energy bundle who just goes off and does things, is a coach saying, hang on a second, talk me through this. How does it look when you get there? Because suddenly when that person reflects and goes, ah, oh, yeah, I see what you mean. That's not what I want to come out of this, but I could see that that could happen. It's not putting the brakes on. It's not a handbrake. It's just checking the side mirrors, going back to that car analogy uh, of the sat-nav. It's, it's using your rear view mirror, your front screen, your side mirrors, all your, you, you know, all the buttons and things that you read. Your business needs to have a dashboard like your car. And then you'll be able to take measurements that tell you how you need to adjust for better performance. And none of that is taking the joy out of driving um, and, and going on your business journey. 100%. I'm loving all these car analogies, by the way. I think it's, you know, it really yeah, does put things same. into perspective. That's for sure. It's that the car thing is not a NatWest theme. It's just something that I found really <laughs> resonating. Debbieism. <laughs> I like it. It's no, definite Debbieism. <laughs> Speaking then through the execution side of things a bit more, Debbie, I mean, one important thing, and it's certainly been a challenge for a lot of founders recently as well, um, is funding. Um, you know, what advice can you give to founders who are either thinking about funding, planning to have some kind of funding? Should they avoid it? Should they really go for it early on? What's your advice? Uh, to, re to retain my job, I can't give you advice around funding. Uh, okay. I'm not a financial okay. advisor. I mean, However, yeah. <laughs> what I would love to do is, is um, first of all, we need to have more conversations about money. Full stop. Um, entrepreneurs, and, and it's, it seems to be quite a British thing that we don't like to talk about profit. We don't like to talk about wealth. We don't like to talk about money. Um, 
in entrepreneurship, in enterprise, particularly with business support organizations, the first thing I've um, recognized is that most people don't know their numbers. Um, there are very, very few people who can tell you cost per acquisition, um, tracking rates, how, how this year's performance is tracking against targets. Very, very few entrepreneurs have got a hold on their business numbers. Why do you think that is before you move forward? Uh, oh, that, I, I'm making an assumption that for a lot of people, it's just not the bit of their business they love. Um, it, a lot of entrepreneurs are, are passion driven. They like doing the do. They like the thing, the operational uh, or their people, people, people. Um, if they are truly um, numbers driven and everything is on a spreadsheet, they will know this information. Those people who are not, there are um, tools um, we we use free agent. Free agent is is um, currently available with an AtWest bank account, and that will give you all of your dashboards and things. Those so, sort of tools are game changers for people who don't know their numbers but know they should. Just doing some activity to get you more comfortable with what you what you're taking, what are your costs. It gives you projections for the future to show up any challenging areas. Um, I also think people don't do it because in the early stages, it's not, it's, it's not always good numbers. So they go, oh, we'll worry about that later. Whereas if they were taking lots of money and they were considering lots of avenues, they would be absolutely checking out their, their spreadsheets. But in the early days when you're not taking a lot of, of revenue and you, you're kind of hoping for the best, there's, there's more hope, less plan. They, they probably avoid it because it's a little bit of a reality check, really. Um, but we need to have more conversations about money because what I what I often see is that people will start talking about funding when they need money, not when they're planning business growth. And the worst time to start looking at your financial options is when you are desperate for money, when you've reached the last pound on your overdraft or you've, um, you know, it, it's not about planning for the future. It's about dealing with tomorrow. That's the worst time to start exploring. So the best piece of advice that I can give people, number one, have more conversations generally about money, funding, finance, investment, um, anything that is to do with money and business start exploring it. Make your weakest area something that you gradually improve on over time. And then there is, again, there's no one version that is right for businesses. Um, you've got, I think, understanding the landscape. So understanding the difference between debt and equity when it comes to, to getting your hands on money. So are you going to bring somebody in to be a piece of your business? Dragon's Den, Shark Tank style. Um, not all businesses are suitable for that type of, of injection of money. So you could waste a huge amount of time looking for an investor if your business is not investable. And there are investment ready workshops. We run them, other people run them to help you identify is investment something you should even consider for your business. And, and that, crikey, we could do a two hour on that just on its own. When it comes to traditional lending, so that's going to a bank or an alternative lender, again, that's not suitable for everybody. It's not right for every business at every stage or even every individual. So if you aren't able to leverage finance from an organization like that, what are your other options? Do you know about crowdfunding? Do you know about angel investors? Do you know, uh, you know about startup loans? There is so much stuff out there. But if you haven't familiarized yourself with the landscape and kind of ruled out, well, that's not for me or that's not for me yet, this is my narrowed down version. And it's about, in my experience, it's about relationship building with these organizations. You want to have somebody that you can talk to, to have a conversation, to understand at what time will it be right to approach for a conversation or what ducks do you have to get in a row before you come back and explore this? And again, it's not something that can just go on a web page and people can familiarize themselves with. This is so adaptable for different individuals. Different sectors carry different risks. 
Different credit scores will present different options. There are so many different factors to what you're eligible for and what is right for you and what's wrong for you that the best thing that we can do is encourage people to explore the landscape so that they understand and start to be comfortable with the language. But then also speak to other people who've had similar pathways and journeys and say, well, how did you do it? Because, okay, times change. And it might be that what is right now is not the same as 10 years ago. But if somebody did it two or three years ago, what could you learn from them? What, what were their reflections of? You know, what would you have done differently? And also understanding the time critical points and how one piece of lending or investment affects the next piece. Because often you'll find that as people go through the growth trajectory, what they did in the early stage holds them back for the latter stages of finance because they did the, they did it at the wrong time or the wrong amounts or the wrong structure. Uh, and also how your company is set up. You know, CICs, charities, social enterprises will be different to limited companies, will be different to sole traders. So all of these building blocks, if you don't set them up right, it's not impossible to grow past them, but it's just harder work than it needs to be. If you get in there early, you set yourself up like when you build a house. I'm going to go with a house instead of a car. If you built a house without foundations, the house would not last as well as if you had solid foundations. It's not sexy. It's not the best part of business. But my goodness, it will save you some headaches in the long term, just like IP and trademarks. You don't think about it early on. Oh, my goodness, it can cost you time, money, energy, stress in the long run. There's so many things And if you get a good program or a good support network, they can take you through it chunk by chunk so you don't miss anything. Very good. Um, So let's maybe stick with the house analogy then um, and shift (laughs) shift gear. And you set the foundation up, you've, um, you know, chosen said house and and got it up and running. Um, How how do you maintain it? Um, Just wanted to sort of think about ongoing support for your startup and what that looks like for founders um you know who's who's there to guide founders right beyond that because that's that's the minefield in itself right how do you keep a sustainable um resilient uh safeguarded business going um that is geared for this success that we're trying to achieve i, I want to tell you that it's really different to everything else that i've i've spoken about so far but it, it mundanely it is just doing that same stuff over and over it's consistency yeah. and repetition your um destination that you're going to plug into your sat nav might move further away it might get bigger scarier hairier it might get more exciting but you've got to still have one because otherwise what are you tracking against Um, A lot of founders spend an awful lot of time and often academic founders. So people who go through MBAs and they're very academically driven rather than lifestyle or or, or, um, passion driven entrepreneurs, they will spend so much time doing the pre stuff that they've, you know, it takes them too long to get going. Entrepreneurs who are passion-driven, lifestyle, business, or or have fallen into accidental entrepreneurs, often they will get going really quickly, but they're like fireworks. They they fizzle out, they burn out, or they run out of of financial runway because they didn't do the planning. So it's, it's finding that really happy medium that works for you, that you can do consistently. The game changer for me, um, and, and what I see through our programs is short spurts, uh, sprints of activity against a goal, and then some time off to relax, reflect, and learn from what they've just done. A lot of people will go, 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 and they don't pause. So if you're constantly climbing a hill and you're not admiring the view, A, what a waste. You haven't seen what you've built. You're missing that massive uh, adrenaline rush of, wow, look what I've created. It's like, thank you, next. You're already yeah. on the next treadmill. And actually what happens is what we see that happens is people just get exhausted and they won't recognize it as burnout, but the spark goes out or they're no longer being good at the things that they used to be really good at. And building a team is a key example of that. You build a team because you want to be surrounded by people and you want to share this uh, and you want to grow a family. We often hear families. I want this business to be like a family for me. 
And then because we don't spend any time or, or put any structure in place um, to support them and to motivate them, they then become this chain around our neck of, oh, this person's always off sick. This person's always moaning. This person's not bringing in the money I need them to. That's our fault as founders. It, you know, there will be other external factors, but there are things we could have done to mitigate these outcomes or stop them quicker. I'm not saying we can't, you know, we can't always stop everything, but we can recognize it quickly and we can deal with it quickly, whether that's upskilling, training, refocusing, adapting. It doesn't have to be about getting rid of team members. And I think the really boring thing that not enough people talk about is to keep your business on a path of um, success. It has to keep growing because costs are rising every year. It has to keep growing in some way. But also, you've, you never stop planning. You never, ever stop building, measuring and learning ever in my experience. Well, it's, a living, it's a living, breathing organism, really, isn't it? Your, your business, it's going to be ever changing and, um, and nothing is going to stay the same, isn't it? So it's important for you to grow um, and adapt and keep reflecting back. And I, I like your point about sort of stopping to actually enjoy what you're doing. Um, enjoy twofold, right? Just to be proud of what you, you're, you're doing, but also the looking back and reflecting and seeing, you know, what could be improved and um, and, and what can I adapt? Um, what are your thoughts about, I mean, obviously I appreciate it's probably a bit of a biased question for you, um, but your thoughts or, or tips, I suppose, around having that coach or going through some sort of, you know, like a like an accelerator program or a sprint to to strategically get you to sit down and, and force you even to sit down and make those reflections. You know, not everyone will have access to that coach potentially or those programs. Are there any things that any particular things you can advise yeah. that founders can do to make 100%. them stop something? So there is something out there for everybody, even free, completely free of charge. And regardless of your preferred learning style, regardless of your personality type, there will be different programs and something out there will be brilliant for you. And a bit like the funding conversation, this is just about exploring what's out there. Um, at the, the NatWest Accelerator is a, you go all in for six months, you get free coaching, free workspace, a community of like-minded individuals. It's phenomenal, but it's not for everyone because if we're putting rocket fuel in, sometimes we blow the doors off. So you've got to be, you know, you've got to be a bit further along to be able to get the value out of that. So then we've got the earlier stage programs like setting up for success and business builder. So that very kind of it's online, it's accessible. You don't have to go anywhere. You haven't got to give up your day. You can do it at two in the morning for four hours when you can't sleep, if that's what you want to do. So there are different ways. And every organization that is in the uh, business support arena will have its own version. And we work with so many of them. So this is about collaboration, not competition for NatWest. We work with the Federation of Small Business. We work with the Chambers of Commerce. We work with Enterprise Nation, Prince's Trust, yada, yada, the list goes on. Um, and that's because every single one of these organizations will have something about it that attracts a different tribe to us. So if we're right for people, brilliant. Um, you don't have to bank with NatWest to access what we do and what we do is free of charge. So there shouldn't be any barriers. But maybe you just don't like the people in your area who are running it, you know, the personality types. Maybe you've met them and you think, mm, this isn't my kind of, it's not my, not my clan. Well, then find out what else is out there. And it's about navigating the ecosystem to find out, you know, is it the day? Is it the time, the duration? Do you need face-to-face? -face? Do you prefer online? Do you want to do just a one-day boot camp every three months? Or do you want to do an hour a week for a year? Uh, and then once you start noticing that it's not lighting your fire anymore, try something else. Go somewhere else and do something different. Um, there is so much available but talking to business advisors, people whose full-time job it is uh, to go out and explore the landscape will save entrepreneurs a lot of time. So we have people in our organization, local enterprise managers, whose full-time job it is to know what's going on in the local area for small businesses and startups. 
And so you can have a one-to-one with them. And in half an hour or an hour's Zoom call, you'll have a list of things to go and explore that perhaps you weren't aware of before. So you don't have to spend hours and days trawling the internet and watching uh, cats playing the piano because we all, how do we all end up there? We start researching when we're on cats with pianos. Good intentions, but yeah, end up at cats, right? Yeah. Yeah. Finding the shortcuts in your network is extremely beneficial. Having the right network, the right people at the right time can be life-changing. And um, and just before we wrap up, because um, I know you've got um, uh, the sort of course that you're running um, end of this month, aren't you? Can you just talk to us about what that sort of entails? Because I know obviously we've tried to cram in everything to do with success in this conversation, which um, we sort of attempted the impossible, really. But in terms of breaking those down into those manageable chunks, sort of what does that that look like for anyone that's sort of interested? Yeah, absolutely. If, if I have overwhelmed your listeners today with the amount of, you know, different topics and, and advice and everything that I have spoken to you about is covered in two hour uh, sessions. It's a, a six uh, event series called Setting Up for Success. It is for startups and very early stage businesses, micro businesses, lifestyle businesses. It's for those businesses who are not accelerator ready or scale ready. They just want to get their foundations right. And this two hours a week for six weeks will talk you through everything we've gone through today, but give you some tools, techniques and a community to support you. Um, It will give you a discovery session with your local enterprise manager and an enterprise health check just to kind of ask you a few questions to to open your eyes to. Do you maybe need to focus on that a little bit? So whilst it's not as in-depth coaching as our accelerator program, it definitely will have huge value around how do you how do you communicate your messaging, whether that's for investors or to go to breakfast networking? Um, that business model canvas I mentioned, yes, you can download it and yes, you can watch a YouTube video. Uh, but take it from me, there is nothing more powerful than the pack of post-it notes where you get to put it on with other people who go, well, that doesn't make sense. What about this? Um, so doing it in that kind of group environment can be really powerful. Uh, And then at the end, we have this uh, brilliant event of just showcasing what you've achieved, introducing you to our network. So those other business support organizations and ecosystem partners, just to cut down some of the the hard work for you. Um, And that's also available online if you don't want to do or it's not convenient or accessible for you to do face-to-face. So if you're interested in setting up for success, if you contact your local enterprise manager, uh, I don't know whether you can share the link or if uh, you basically just go onto any search engine and put in NatWest local enterprise manager, you can through the drop downs, you can find your one and they're all running them. And they start on the last week of September, week beginning the 25th, I think, but different days, different times in each region. Fabulous. And we'll be able to support you with links and things like that. Thank you very much. Definitely. (laughs) Which is always good. Always good. (laughs) Debbie, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I feel like this is the first part of like (laughs) a certain, you know, more parts of this series for sure, because there's just so many more (laughs) things that we could have gone into for sure. A lot. A lot. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I I hope there's been some valuable nuggets in there uh, for your listeners. Um, And and I I guess my parting message or thought would be um, people often say running a business is lonely and it really shouldn't be. It doesn't need to be. Um, Find your tribe and and network with phenomenal individuals who will grease the wheels for your your business to make it just that little bit more fun uh, and, and for you to be supported. So don't don't work alone. a fantastic final message there Debbie thank you so much (laughs) for everyone listening and watching us today you can find out more about Debbie NatWest Business and their programs that Debbie has mentioned as you said Debbie we're going to put them all in the captions um, below this video once it's published Um, anybody can reach out to myself and Nergis as well we'd be happy to make a personal introduction I'll point you in the right direction Um, Thanks again for tuning in today and we hope you've enjoyed this conversation as much as we all have today. Uh, We'll be back with another expert very soon, but until then, take care and bye for now.